Welcome everyone to today's devotion. Uh, we're in John chapter 2, um, back in the regular swing of things. Um, so hopefully this will get online and everything uh, in a timely fashion. John chapter 2 is, is, has two major events in it. But remember that, that everything established in chapter 1 comes into what is happening in chapter 2. Uh, so um, we see right away uh, in the first uh, 12 verses is the feeding of the uh, I'm not feeding 5,000. It's the uh, turning water into wine. So it says there, verse 1, On the third day there was a wedding at Canaan Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples, and the wine ran out. Now, one of his disciples is actually from Cana. It's possible there, there's some a family connection here, given the uh, what appears to be some prominence that his mother has um, in, in making sure that the wedding goes well. Weddings at this time were, were big events. They're big events now, sometimes too big, really too expensive uh, but weddings then would last for days um, and and one would um, um, spend forever preparing for them and they were a big community event and so um, when the wine runs out uh, that would have been um, a bad thing to happen uh, to run out of food and, and whatnot uh, and so Jesus is approached by Mary, his mother, to do something about it. And so even though the, the relationship between Mary and Jesus isn't as developed in John's gospel, particularly early on as it is in the synoptics, particularly Matthew and Luke, where there's a nativity story there, uh, the, the two of them are clearly close. And she clearly understands that Jesus is unique in human history, uh, that he is the son of God. And so uh, when the time comes, he... Um, performs the the miracle. This is verse 9, When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. When people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. Uh, but you have kept the good wine till now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory. His disciples believed in him. A couple of things to note briefly about this, because I want to spend time on the cleansing of the temple as well in this chapter. Um, this is not a passage about alcohol, okay? Whether you're for or against or somewhere in the middle, um, too often we, we, when we come to this text, we only want to talk about alcohol. Okay? If you want Jesus to drink grape juice, turn water into grape juice, fine. At this point, I don't care. If, if you think it is a reason to, to, to buy more alcohol at the store, I, I, you're missing the whole point of this passage. The passage isn't about alcohol. It's about Jesus being new wine. Notice two things being here. First of all, Jesus as Lord of Feast. This is a, a moment of celebration, uh, which is going to be contrasted with the temple cleansing. And so here we see Jesus laughing and rejoicing and celebrating marriage and life and the gifts of God. So, so this is consistent with the Old Testament message of God as the Lord of Feast. And, and as we anticipate uh, our, our future with Christ, at the center of that is the marriage supper of the Lamb, where there is going to be more feasting and fellowship and celebration, because the Christian life is, uh, or it produces, uh, joy. With joy comes fellowship and, and, and uh, rejoicing and whatnot. But, but the, the real beauty of this is we see here that Jesus is creating something new. He's, he's, he's taking the ode and from it creating something new. This is significant, particularly being it's the first miracle 
period, let alone in, in John's gospel, and that it tells us something about Jesus, but, but more than just telling us about Jesus, it tells us about what Jesus came to do. He came to, to out of the old, bring something new. This is our understanding of the gospel, that Jesus comes as light, as life, as logos and as lamb and out of the old he brings new and this is the hope of the gospel that those who embrace christ uh, are no longer we said this yesterday identified by by their by their past or their old selves or any of that but rather they are the water turned into wine and you'll notice that this is clearly connected to the cross and resurrection because of the word choice john has here one he tells mary now is not the time right um, um and so that is a clear reference to to the cross uh, his hour hadn't come is the language he uses uh, but also notice that throughout john's gospel you won't find the word miracle rather he uses the word sign in fact, whenever I have people read through John's Gospel, I always assign the, the same homework. Uh, underline the word sign or signs and underline the, the words I am. Right? Because often these two converge. It doesn't converge here clearly. It will soon. Um, so chapter 6, I am the bread of life, is in contact with the sign of the feed and the 5,000. Now, John uses signs rather than miracle because they're not just cute Sunday school stories that, that we tell little children but rather they are pointing us, as a sign does, to, a, 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 to, to something else. The sign here is to help us understand what is being accomplished at the cross and resurrection. Jesus is true and better wine. Out of the old, in with the new, and it is the best there is. Jesus brings feasting and celebration because of his finished work upon the cross. Behold, he makes all things new, and he creates out of nothing. The wine wasn't there, yet he creates it nonetheless. Well, this leads almost to the opposite event, right? So we have a celebration of marriage in Cana to a cleansing of the temple in in uh, uh, Jerusalem. Now, uh, we, we immediately uh, face a interpretive challenge here that we won't solve today. And that is, is this cleansing of the temple the same cleansing uh, recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke? All three of them recorded. Well, if it's the same, then we have an exegetical problem. Well, not exegetical problem, but a chronological problem. And that is that they place the cleansing of the temple in the last week of Jesus. Jesus does the triumphal entry and immediately walks in and cleanses the temple. John places it at the beginning of his ministry. Is there contradiction? Right? Or, or not? Well, a couple of things to say here. One, we could say there's two cleansings. I think that's a good possibility. There's enough differences within the parallels that, that that's a possibility. Another possibility is that John, um, aware of the other uh, synoptics, I, I think he's aware of at least one of them. And maybe when we come to those moments, I'll, I'll show you why I think that. Um, but, but aware that, that that's where they put it, he, for uh, thematic reasons, puts it here. And we can see one of those thematic reasons is in that Jesus goes from a celebration to cleansing. Right? And so we have this contrast of emotions from Jesus, yet, yet they're connected too, aren't they? What is the new thing Jesus is bringing? Well, it's demonstrating the cleansing of the temple. Jesus is the true and better temple. Out with the old, that system that does not save, 
in with the Savior who does. And so we, we get this that in verse 13, the Passover was at hand. Jesus goes to Jerusalem. Remember the significance of the Passover. Uh, John 1, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And one of the ways that is developed is through referencing Passover, where the Lamb would, would be slain um, as part of the celebration. And Jesus sees the selling of oxen and, and pigeons and sheep and everything. Um, now, what has actually happened here is people are profiting off of the monopoly of religion. So if you can bring your own lamb um, for sacrifice, but the people at the gate could say, I'm sorry, this is unacceptable, but we have this lamb over here. And by the way, we jacked the prices up 10 times or whatever it might be. It's sort of like the way movie theaters work. Remember them, right? Um, that you could bring in popcorn. They ain't going to let you bring in popcorn. Why? Because they're going to sell you a small thing of popcorn for $8,000 before taxes, right? Because they have a monopoly on refreshments, and that's purposeful. You've, you've, you've been to events where you can't bring coolers, you can't bring uh, uh, supplies, you can't bring anything because uh, their, their marketing system is uh, to sell you at an increased price these things, right? Uh, I remember we went to a, a soccer game last year, watched my favorite soccer team. And Mary told the kids, it's like, look, when we get to the stadium, each of you can get anything you want. And then we got there, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to share a drink and we're all, this is the one thing we're all going to get. Because, you know, you go thinking, okay, you know, $10 little thing or a $20 thing, you could do that. But then you see the prices that drinks are themselves $10. You're thinking, okay, one drink and a pretzel. That's about all we're going to do for the rest of this game, right? Well, that's what you have here. Now, it's cute and funny when it does that out of the ball game and hot dogs are $20 a pop. But it's not so funny or acceptable when it happens in the context of worship. So Jesus comes and drives out the, the money changers, and he overturns the tables. Um, and, and, uh, and then what is it that they are asked, Jesus is asked? It's there in verse 18. What sign do you show us for doing these things? Now what they mean is likely uh, cosmic signs. Yeah, um, um, the the sky getting dark or the uh, sun turning uh, uh, red, stuff like that, because they're they're reading the apocalyptic stuff of of the ancient prophets. Um, but but if the reader has already seen a sign, haven't we? And the sign is turning water into wine, the old into something new, and this is now being demonstrated in this act of cleansing the temple. What the gospel does is it cleanses. Uh, true worship out of a system that is easily corrupted as all religion is, whether we're talking about traditional religions or secular religion, which is becoming more pharisaical by the day, uh, if you woke enough. Um, and he says that that system is gone with the water. Here comes new wine. And what is the sign that Jesus points us to? Uh, Jesus said, verse 19, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Now, it's very likely he's pointing at this temple. This is the context. And what is it they say? Verse 20, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? Now, it didn't take 46 years to build this temple. This is the temple of... of um, this is Zerubbabel's temple. Uh, so if you read Haggai and Zechariah, uh, you read Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, this is the temple built after the Babylonian captivity. However, for the last 46 years, Herod, 
uh, had been uh, renovating the temple to make it more glorious. Right? It's really probably his crowning achievement that in the fortress Masada. Um, and so they're saying, look, it took 46 years to do this. Um, I'll give you a fun example of this. This is free. Um, I was driving on 71 from Florence yesterday, or 75, 71, 75. Um, and I got to think, I'm 36. For at least the last 50 years, I think that strip of interstate has been under construction the entire time. Right? I, I mean, it's just, it's just forever. Um, well, here's something that's been under construction for 46 years, and Jesus says, I'm going to tear it down, in three days I'm going to rebuild it. People think, well, this is, this is incredible. I mean, it's, it's just nonsense. But notice what John, John does this, where he adds a theological interpretation. He'll do this in John 3.16 too, as we'll see tomorrow. He was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised, spoiler alert, from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. What do we see here? Jesus is not only true and better wine, he's a true and better temple. One does not go to a system to find grace. One goes to Christ to find grace. And he takes away our ode, and he gives us something new something far better. That is good news. And man, we need that in our world today. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow.